And I thought, I was just blown away. Like the sheer mechanics of it was really, really exciting. Wait, um, where was this at? Uh, down at Reesby Workers Club. At a workers club? At a workers club. Welcome to our first episode of All Things Coffee. We're excited to introduce you to our green bean buyer, Lloyd Tom. Lloyd gives us a behind the scene look on what it takes to find the best coffee from around the world. We discover how he first got into coffee and what keeps him passionate to be in the coffee industry today. Lloyd's expertise goes beyond just sourcing beans. With a deep passion for sustainability and ethical sourcing practices, he discusses how these factors influence his decisions and why it's so important to consider them when selecting coffee. So sit back and enjoy this episode of All Things Coffee. So Lloyd, at this podcast, we're kind of pretty interested in finding about all things to do with coffee and people's lives and how they've been involved in it and how coffee's kind of influenced them and impacted them and just their stories about all things that involve their coffee careers or coffee situations. And today we just wanted to have you on to ask you about how did you get involved with coffee? Great. Well, look, so, um, yeah, it's, a, it's been a long, long journey. I um, just passed my 10-year mark with Campos and it's really gone really quickly. I think like a lot of people, I didn't necessarily start out in coffee thinking, you know, this is going to be my career. It was uh, something that I was doing to, you know, pay the bills during uni. Yeah. I kind of started out in, in bars and I was in a, a workers club down in, uh, down in Reesby behind the bar there, but there was this one guy working in the cafe. Uh, his name was Charles and he just... He just moved very differently from everyone else behind the machine. You know, you just didn't even necessarily see what he was doing, but just there was kind of a smoothness to it. It was really nice to watch. I think I just liked that. It was like one of those first times just seeing someone, you know, in the flow. But also when I went over to um, pick up some of his coffees to take out to customers, I looked down and I saw my first ever Rosetta and I thought it was just blown away. Like the sheer mechanics of it was really, really Exciting. Wait, um, where was this at? Uh, down at Reesby Workers Club. At a workers club? At a workers club. Someone throwing out Rosetta's at a workers club. Yeah, I know. He was uh, he's just a really passionate guy and he, uh, yeah, what can I say? Just, uh, you know, that was his outlet. That was his creativity. And <laughs> I actually haven't heard of anyone doing a Rosetta at a workers club. I don't yeah. even know there was good coffee in workers clubs. Yeah, well, this is the exception. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, you're kind of, it's one of those places where yeah, you'd maybe click the grinder twice and um, you know tamp the coffee and maybe put the jugs just kind of hanging on either side. Meanwhile, you're toasting a sandwich. But you know, if there's shows upstairs where you've got hundreds of people coming in at once, uh, you know, you have to be able to kind of manage you know high volume. Uh, but you know, and Charles generally worked during the day when it was a bit quieter, so he had a bit more time <laughs> to, to flex out his latte art. But it is a big flex. Yeah doing rosettas at a workers club for sure the old ladies would have been going mental for him absolutely yeah 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 i mean you've got to know how to do you know good rosettas and definitely how to make your skinny muggachinos extra hot a couple of key skills that is a key skill yeah but so uh, how did you go from that to you know becoming a barista yourself yeah well i mean i was studying at sydney uni Uh, i was in the education department and it's uh not too far between uh, the education faculty and maybe about a 10 or so minute walk over to Campos Newtown. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I kind of laid a few seeds working in cafes uh, 
uh, around Rigsby. But when I started going to uni, I had a few kind of key places that were popping up. I mean, Campos was, was certainly one of them. Toby's Estate across the road and even a few single accounts and uh, cafes in Surrey Hills. And I'd kind of spend my time in between classes popping over to, to these cafes to see what was happening. And I mean, I remember going into Campos Newtown, which then just like it is now is just this all times of the day, you know, nightclub basically of energy and jazz and cues out the door and, you know, baristas in black, you know, working their Mazza manuals. You could kind of hear the slap of the grinder halfway down the road as much as you could smell the coffee, you know, you just follow the noise, follow your nose and going in there and just looking at the baristas and watching them move with precision and making grind adjustments and serping espressos before they sent them out. And if a coffee just wasn't right or just wasn't perfect, they'd pour these coffees down the sink. So I just went in there with so many questions, so much curiosity, you know, I mean, all of these different coffees on offer that tasted like different things. Uh, you know, it was, you know, at these sorts of places that I had so many of my eureka moments in coffee. Mm. I think a big one, like for a lot of specialty coffee professionals is the first time they ever have, uh, you know, a natural processed coffee from Ethiopia, you know, um, a hurrah with like big notes of blueberries and you kind of taste the coffees. And for the first time you're like, wow, I can really taste blueberries in this. This isn't just some, you know, far out, you know, a nuance or, you know, just thing that delicately reminds you of this was just unmistakable flavor fidelity. And you feel like you suddenly unlock something like you were in the club, like you were in the know and it all kind of starts to come together. And the places, you know, 10, 15 years ago that were doing this and talking about flavor in a way that's not just, oh yeah, we've just I mean, look, I'll be honest, I used to think that flavour was the way that, you know, you added flavour to coffee by pouring in some syrup. I mean, that was kind of what got me through uni, caramel lattes and a, and a banana bread, I'll be the first to admit it. Totally. But um, when you find naturally occurring flavours in coffee that are courtesy of, of variety and process and you have a place that can roast it and brew it and serve it to you in a way that, you know, brings out those flavours but also... Uh, a knowledgeable, skilled barista who can explain to you why that happens. Meanwhile, while you know making, you know, fifteen cups an hour. I mean, like, yeah, making like just turning over many, many coffees, and to be able to explain that to you, I think, is something really, really special. So, yeah, I mean, a big thing, you know, at, at Campos was. I mean, we also had that cupping room experience upstairs, where you know Will would take members of the public through what at the time was very much a behind closed doors, industry secret, you'd have to go up these stairs and knock on the door and the sliding, you know, door would open a jar and you have to say the password and in you go into this room upstairs at, at Newtown and the lights would be down low with the, with the light pointing down at these cups which had just been poured with water and it was all steam rising across the top and, you know, Will took you through a, you know, a great journey through coffee and, you were able to try six different coffees side by side from different origins and he'd really go into detail with you on on where it all came from and how it all happened. So, yeah, what can I say? I mean, it was, it was really, really addictive and I was working in different places, uh, you know, along the, along the journey as I was, you know, working in coffee. But, you know, I think I always just gravitated back towards a place that was able to really articulate where the coffee came from, why it tasted the way it did, 
and to be able to brew it and serve it to in a way that was, yeah, really exciting and thrilling. So how did you go from that, you know, eureka moment of, wow, coffee can really taste this unique way to end up working for Campos? Well, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a long few years of finishing off my education degree and when I finished, I thought, well, you know, I still want to be a teacher at some point, perhaps, we'll see. You know, it's um, you know, something I feel incredibly passionate about and, I, you know, I mean, my, te- my parents are teachers. Um, I kid know. you not, I think most teachers coming out of university are addicted to coffee. Sure. <laughs> at least somewhat lovers of coffee. I think I know every teacher that I've ever been friends with are just obsessed with, I don't know, all things to do with coffee. Maybe it's even just the cafe scene. But it's a pretty phenomenal thing with teachers and cafes and coffee. There, there is a unique link with that that profession and coffee. Yeah. Well, look, I've you know I've been in that position and I've seen how many how hard so many teachers work. You know, a bit of caffeine here and there uh, can't hurt getting through the day. <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I finished my degree and I look, a lot of the teachers that I'd met along the way, my favourite teachers in high school and, you know, when I was on my prac experience, I'd ask kids what their, who their favourite teacher was and I'd spend a bit of time sitting in on their classes and asking those teachers what their stories were and how they got to where they got to. And there was a common... I suppose thread with the with with a few that most of them had started teaching later on in life. You know, you had gone out, gained some experience. You know, and, and there's, there's definitely you know exceptions and different variations on this, but I felt like a few of them had had this life experience, experienced the world in different formats and in different ways and in industries, and brought that experience into the industry. And coffee's kind of similar, I suppose. You know, I feel like we've uh, you know brought in people from all sorts of different industries and you kind of benefit from that diversity. So, you know, that's kind of where I was at and I finished my degree and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go out there and do a few things. I, you know, get some experience, travel the world and I thought I was onto this really interesting thing with coffee and I knew there was a few things I wanted to do and working at Campos was certainly one of them. I wanted to kind of be involved in that learning process of, of flavor and, and origin and experience. And, and um, yeah, it was ultimately an aim for, for me to get there. And so I think it was about a, a year or so, not long after I finished my degree and I, uh, yeah, applied for a job at, at, uh, at Campos and, um, yeah, kicked off at, at Newtown. Right. And was there a certain selection criteria or, you know, poor... 20 rosettas in 10 minutes and or 20 rosettas in 20 seconds. I don't know. Like what was the, the way that, you know, they tested you out to see if you were worthy? Oh, yeah. Look, you know, there was, of course, a few, you know, individual little exercises to approve your prowess. You know, as I think one of the initial things that a lot of early day Campos baristas would, would remember is just the painstaking, you know, efforts involved in crafting the perfect affogato with its <laughs> layered base served in its chilled glass that you had to work with ice cream when it was frozen but not too cold. It was malleable but, you know, not so soft that it would just mush everywhere and you had to build the base so you'd get you no know, cracks but then get a little dome on top so when you've poured your perfect extraction, you've still got just a couple of millimetres of dome across. Oh, my gosh, so <laughs> much time agonising over every little detail of the affogato but when you got it, 
and you got it good. That was, um, yeah, that was something really special. Yeah, for and, the people out there, one of the famous drinks at Campus Newtown is that affogato. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's a bit of a crowd favorite, that thing. It's uh, unique in its own manner. Yeah. No, I think, you know, every everything that went out um, mattered in, in the biggest possible way and really, you know, especially things like baby chinos or, or decaf flat whites. You know, if you're coming in to the coffee shop, you know, you're not even necessarily looking for caffeine. You know, you can't drink it for whatever reason. Or you're, you know, you're a small child. You know, he can't, uh, <laughs> you can't even have uh, anything other than a baby chino at the moment. You know, we, we offered that due respect to everyone who came through the doors by serving out the best possible version of those drinks. Um, and, you know, affogados were offered the same level of kind of attention to detail and, and you know, and craftsmanship as, you know, a single origin double ristretto. Totally, totally. And so how long were you barista for and where did that kind of take you? Great. So, yeah, uh, short time at Newtown, a little bit of work in the cupping room upstairs. I also uh, was working in our concept store at the Opera House. Uh, we were there for about a year or so. And, uh, you know, as that was coming to its kind of close, I you know, I was like sussing out other you know, opportunities. I'm like, oh, is it now's a good time to, you know, jump over to Japan and maybe start using my teaching degree. But, uh, you know, as luck would have it, our previous uh, green buyer, Ben de Emden, to whom uh, just big shout out, um, you know, and uh, he was... You know, he was working as the head trainer. He'd also been the head barista at Campos Newtown. He um, was, yeah, stepping from his role in as a head barista and, and trainer into more of a full green bean buyer role. So, you know, there was uh, some opportunity for me to, you know, step into the training room with Ben while he was, you know, still looking after training and kind of taking on more of a green buyer role as well. So, um, yeah, as the Opera House store came to a close um you know i was given an opportunity to to step into the the the, um the training room you know maybe putting into a bit of a use my education degree and also um you know my my love of coffee wherever possible i'd go to the the daily cuppings with will and uh adam matheson at, at the time our head roaster um so yeah being in the in the cupping room sometimes on my days off um, you know, I already had that kind of connection with HQ and that was just such a great thing about Campos then and, and still now is just this access and immediacy as a barista to, you know, where the coffee's roasted and that QC process. So already from the time of stepping into HQ on a full-time basis as a, as a trainer, you know, a big part of that was being involved in the daily cupping ritual. I think at the time was, you know, 7, 8 a.m. in the morning and then kicking into two or three barista sessions a day. So, yeah, I mean, along with, you know, the role itself, uh, you know, we were, Campos has always been, um, you know, a big, you know, participant um, and, you know, proponent for the Cup of Excellence program. Something that really has opened a lot of doors to new origins, new producers. And, yeah, I mean, for those who haven't heard of it, I mean, Cup of Excellence is the competition uh, arm of the Alliance for Coffee Excellence, a non-for-profit based out in Portland, who for over 20 years has been running various competitions starting in Brazil and Honduras that, you know, seek to find the exemplary coffees from their origin 
and by inviting cuppers, roasters to taste the coffees in their origin, to you know meet with the producers in the country, but also to find yeah these fantastic coffees mm. that then go to an online auction, and uh, have been fundamental, and in you know changing the specialty landscape and, and benchmarks for for prices paid and you know what it means to have a direct relationship with these producers and has for us in the way that the coffees are cupped and the, the way the forms are used and how coffees are described and even relationships has been, you know, incredibly fundamental at shaping that for us. So even from, you know, that very early time when I stepped into, you know, the, the training room, what was that, like 2015, you know, almost wasn't too long after that that, you know, Will put on the table to head to Cup of Excellence and, yeah, my first one was Costa Rica, which is an origin that I just love because, you know, they don't have any military and they run on renewable energy and they've got a huge amount of biodiversity. But above and beyond that, they've just got geishas, naturals, honeys, washed, you know, SLs, like, you know, a crazy mix of all these different coffee varieties, processing types, um, this really beautiful history um, behind coffee production. So that was my first, um, you know, cup of excellence trip. And yeah, that was definitely a, um, you know, really eye-opening experience to be able to do that, but also to, um, you know, even go to Colombia with, uh, with Ben um, prior to that as well. So yeah, probably skipping ahead a couple of steps there, but you know, it all happened, happened really quickly. And, you know, I think that was part of, you know, the, the excitement. Um, dare I say, even the design, I was probably even looking back at my application and cover letter to Campos all those years ago and, you know, seeing a lot of those things written in there of, you know, what I wanted to do along the path and I think, you know, getting involved and seeing that side of things was certainly something that was part of the plan. So it was, um, yeah, really exciting to get involved and, and to see see that side of things. Totally. So do you think, you know, it sounds like that you doing those trips kind of maybe – open the door to your kind of current role, uh, I guess that's a big thing, you know, you've kind of gone from barista to trainer and then how did you get from that step of trainer to green bean buyer? Because to be a green bean buyer, oh, maybe I'll give that to you, Like Maybe you can explain that, but that's a pretty big role for, I guess, a company like Campos. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, you, you act as this, uh, you know, ambassador, this conduit link between origin and destination. Um, and it's, you know, certainly at the time that I was stepping into it, you know, taking on some of these, you know, relationships that have been formed by Will and, and Ben over many years, um, you know, I think who've, who'd worked and they worked really hard at, at, at setting up these, these relationships, working closely with the cupping team at origin to establish profiles of, of what they were looking for when, you know, selecting coffee for us. And, you know, it certainly felt like a, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a big step, you know, it was something very different, you know. I mean, there's a was a certain familiarity and comfort in a education and training role borrowing from, you know, experience, you know, in, in studying, you know, at least education generally at university. You know, going into the world of green green coffee, I mean, the key thing that you kind of take with it initially is a daily or participation in the daily cupping ritual and spending a lot of time closely with with Ben, Will, and Adam, who you know carry on you know the kind of beating heart you know cultural DNA of of Campos, 
uh, and knowing what our products are and, and what we're looking for um, to, yeah, basically, I suppose, carry that over uh, into, into the green buying role. And for those people out there, what is this whole cupping ritual? Or mm-hmm. Sounds like you're grabbing a cup and doing something with it, but can you explain that a little bit more? For sure, yeah. Look, this is a, um, I suppose, just an internationally standardised way of, of tasting coffee. It's what we do to, I suppose, check on a daily basis the, uh, how our coffees are performing as we're roasting them. It's our way of staying in touch with, with the product, checking that these coffees are meeting their target profile. I mean, we've got a lot of technology, uh, both in the roasters and the software attached to it, that you know, assesses every kind of minute change in temperature and rate of change and all of those different things. So we're super confident, um, you know, with technology that we know, you know, what's coming out each time is incredibly consistent, but it's, you know, it's really hard to replace tasting each of these coffees every single day to to know what you have. Um, And along with just, yeah, daily production quality control, it's the way that uh, coffees are bought and sold and selected at Origin as well. So when Origin suppliers are receiving their coffee um, from various producers, they're cupping them, tasting them, grading them, um, and then, yeah, assembling those coffees into lots to to sell to coffee roasters. So um, it's a way of kind of eliminating the variables. You can't really take a espresso machine or, you know, V60 everywhere you go. So all you really need with a cupping session is just a, a cup, um, a grinder and, uh, and some hot water. So you basically just pour water at a set temperature over, a, over ground coffee. There's no filter needed. Uh, just there's a certain ratio that uh, it should be at and it sits there for four minutes. You use a spoon to then break the crust that forms across the top, peel it away. And then after about 12 minutes or so, it's, it's ready to taste. So it's um, just the, the same way that coffee's tasted all around the world. Totally. Well, it's, it's funny how sometimes simplicity or going back to the basics can actually really be the foundations of so much of coffee drinking, coffee buying, coffee purchasing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, doing it that way just, yeah, as you said, keeps it really simple and really stretches it out so you can really look at the coffee. Um, I mean, compared to an espresso, you know, it's you know at least 10 times more dilute than an espresso. So you, with an espresso, it's you know, kind of concentrated, syrupy, a lot of flavors packed into a small space. Cupping just you know, stretches it open so you can really break down what's happening in the cup in terms of all of those you know, seemingly mystical ways that we describe coffee with, you know, acidity, body, texture, aftertaste, levels of sweetness, cleanliness, length of the aftertaste, cupping a coffee, and you're doing this over you know, the course of half an hour, just gives you a really big opportunity to, to dive in deep. Yeah, and I love really that. really break it down. I think that's a really cool way of putting it. And I've always kind of almost, I guess myself wondered that a little bit more. It's like, why don't we just go straight to the espresso machine? Because that's, you know, where particularly in Australia, where 90% of our kind of coffee drinking is, However, I love that kind of picture of it's like you're stretching out the fabric or whatever and so you can actually see all the details rather than having more compact, mm-hmm. uh, intense kind of flavor. Is, yeah, I just love that, that picture of, you know, you can see all the details and really kind of scope to see what's, what's right and what's wrong with these kind of things. Totally. And of course, you, you know, you, you have to taste both. It's important to understand both kind of raw and, 
finished product and you're able to, you know, over time and experience bridge the gap between the cupping format and the brewed version. It's interesting to see how certain attributes are accentuated or even kind of diminish somewhat when you're drinking it as espresso or even with milk. So, you know, it's important to have a bit of a understanding across all elements as well. But I think, yeah, that, that kind of ritual was just incredibly important um, as well for an opportunity for all of the kind of key stakeholders to just take a moment each day to, to stop and just talk about the coffees, talk about kind of how things are going. I think that opportunity for, yeah, connection and reflections as much a part of the experience of tasting it as, um, yeah, as the kind of the notes and the scores themselves as well. That's amazing. So from university to barista to trainer to green bean buyer, is that how you would recommend, you know, someone who's looking out there to maybe become a green bean buyer one day or interested in the coffee industry? Would you believe that's the way to do it? Or like, do you have any advice for someone like that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think... Again, from the beginning, there was an element of intention and, and design um, and, you know, a company like, you know, Campos and, and working closely with Will certainly afforded a lot of those opportunities. Um, I think just, yeah, staying close to to where you want to be involved in. I mean, if you're working on the machine, you know, I mean, at the time then I was maybe on a couple of days off popping in to doing cupping. You know, it's not something that you necessarily learn you know, straight away. And even if you're a sensitive super taster, that's not even necessarily a great, you know, natural born skill to, to kind of get involved with it as a, as a full-time job, largely much like a lot of other trades. It's just something that you learn through experience and time and you can't really read a book, you know, you've got to get in the room with someone, you know, more experienced and just taste with them every, as often as possible every day, if, um, you know, if possible. And, you know, I think that was a, just a big part of it is just being, being there, you know, turning up and just, you know, putting in the, the time and the energy every day to kind of learn. Um, you know, I think you really need to, you know, you have to have a, a lot of humility with, with coffee. You know, it's such, it's such a complicated, complex um, product. It's an incredibly broad industry with a lot of different elements and, and key players and, you know, if you ever feel like you've learnt it all, it doesn't take long before you kind of get brought back down to earth and get reminded that as a, you know, as a participant in the industry of coffee, you're, you know, you're a permanent student, you're always going to be learning. It's very hard to reach, a, you know, a precise end goal. So I think if you, you know, approach much like anything, you know, with dedication, hard work, you know, attentiveness, but also you know, humility for, you know, the, the enormity of it all um, and that there's always more to learn. I think you'll have a really rich and rewarding career and I think that sort of, you know, attributes are valued by people in any and all kind of roles as well. Um, you know, kind of like uh, I remember when I first got in the car with my dad and he was teaching me how to drive and he's like, all right, Lloyd, you know, first thing you have to learn about driving is that it's a healthier balance between confidence and caution. And I think that really does apply to a lot of things. And yeah, very much so with coffee. That's cool. That's really cool. I feel like there's lots of value in so many things you just said then. So with that in mind, 
what are some of the things that you reckon is like, you know, really influenced you over the years that you think could be valuable for, you know, people looking to be involved in the coffee industry? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've again just had some of the the best examples of, of people uh, as as people, as as colleagues, as as managers, as bosses, as CEOs. Um, I've just had an incredible array of different personality types around me um, to to kind of draw from. I mean, really do kind of count myself super lucky to be able to work with something that I really love and, and to be surrounded by people who are, you know, excellent and experts in their field. I mean, I, I feel like I could never possibly do a summary of each of these people justice in the short amount of time that we have. But to see, you know, someone like, you know, Will with his energy and unbridled enthusiasm and, you know, authenticity for, you know, understanding with, working with uh, coffees and people at origin, understanding the challenges, the needs, the successes, the values um, of different coffees and the people who grow them to be able to work with people and, and get the best out of them to be encouraging um, but at the same time, you know, you know, always kind of letting you know there's still that kind of room to, you know, do things, uh, you know, do things differently and to, you know, I suppose rise to new challenges. There's something really, really exciting, you know. You could, you know, never ever giving anything, you know, 10 out of 10, um, that there's always that room for, you know, to grow as well. And then, you know, someone like Adam, you know, who our head of coffee, just with, you know, his, you know, ability to always see, you know, a really kind of balanced viewpoint of, of different sides to strike, I think, a perfect balance between confidence and, and caution to be able to, you know, work with. And I think this is really key in coffee uh, and, again, in I think a lot of industries, but to be able to understand viewpoints of different departments, to be able to work within and see things of in terms of different priorities uh, to be able to, you know, as easily slip into, you know, a meeting with finance and marketing and, and sales and, you know, and production. I think, you know, in the coffee department, you do kind of sit, you know, really kind of central and have interactions with every other department. So I think having that kind of social and professional and certainly cultural empathy as well when you're dealing with uh, with people from from all around the world. And I think, uh, yeah, that's also something that, you know, especially Ben really set well. Like, you know, you, I, when I go to Origin now, you know, and speaking to people in, in Wheeler, there's, you know, various plots of land that have been named after him and, you know, he still, you know, echoes deeply in the kind of, in the Origin consciousness of, of Campos and, and our producers and, you know, even getting messages from them. So, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I I could go on so long for this, but I know we don't have um, have the time and I, yeah, if, listening back, I'm sure there'd be something that I missed, but uh, yeah, long story short, I just, yeah, I'm just surrounded by, you know, at least those people in the, in the cupping team and I could say something really great about everyone here, but yeah, just had some really great examples around. Totally. It's kind of almost back to that classic line that, I think my parents told and I think probably a lot of parents told their kids is like, you know, surround yourself around the people you want to be like, you know, that the people that are around you influence you so much uh, and you absorb so much of what 
the people around you do, say, act. And that's just such a clear example of what you've done is like you've set, situated yourself among some of the great and, you know, I think it's kind of oozed out of them and you've just soaked it up. And I also love that line where you said caution and what was the other line? Courage. Confidence. Confidence. Caution and confidence together. I think that's such a beautiful way to actually attack life almost. It's such a, I don't know, just cool dynamic of putting two things that are kind of the opposite but together and they need to work together and I think that's really cool. And so hearing all that, like what what do you think is the future for you, Lloyd? Like how does, you know, all this experience and uh, information and learning and growing and change, how is that, you know, where do you see that taking yourself in the future or how do you still continue to see yourself growing within uh, this industry? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an ever-present aim to just continually refine the the stories of of, uh, of our producing partners and farmers at Origin to continue to find different ways to help you know people and customers and baristas connect with what they're drinking and to without maybe traveling there to get even just a little bit of that sensation of what it's like to kind of know who made the coffee, how they made it and, you know, all of the kind of added layers of, of, uh, of, of um, I suppose, uh, yeah, experience that comes with, with drinking the coffee and appreciating it for what it is. Because it is mind-boggling, honestly, mm-hmm. the amount of you know, hands and effort that's been touched and cared for and grown and produced and dried and shipped. And it's just like it takes such a big amount of community to give you that coffee that you're having, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean to be able to sit there and drink the coffee and, you know, message, uh, you know, the, the the person who grew it on WhatsApp and just kind of tell them what you're experiencing. I mean that it feels really special. It feels very personal and I want – I want people to have that as well as much as they possibly can because, uh, yeah, it really, really adds to it in, in so many ways to, you know, understand and appreciate the innovations that are constantly being, you know, done at Origin as well, ways that people are, you know, experimenting with different processes to really bring out some of these flavours to be able to, I mean, I think, you know, innovation with processing, finding flavours, pushing boundaries is something that, is certainly has is just exponentially increasing. You know, it's a big part of, you know, new coffee releases that, you know, we're trying to do as well, like with the lab series and just to be able to just show all sorts of different sides of things that, you know, maybe, you know, a bit different, maybe a little bit challenging, a bit exciting, but always interesting. Um, I feel like there's a whole nother topic or podcast based on oh, yeah. the future of coffee and I'm sure we'll get you in in the future. But Lloyd, we just want to thank you for, you know, giving us your story from school teacher to barista to trainer to green, de- green bean buyer. It's a phenomenal story and we hope the people out there kind of got to see just a small window into the life of Lloyd Tom and we look forward to having you here on many other podcasts. Great. Thanks very much for having me, Alex. Cheers. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of All Things Coffee. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate us or leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, hit that follow button so you never miss a future episode. I'm your host, Alex, 
Until next time, happy brewing.